is 43 this morning. Last week, we had our Christmas Sunday. We had our children's program, and, and I even spoke on Christmas, the Christmas story. But we will touch the Christmas story this morning because we're going to look at one of the ancestors of Jesus when we look at Judah in chapter 43. But this morning in chapter 43, we find Jacob, and he's worried. He's worried about sending his sons of down to Egypt, along with Benjamin, to buy grain. There's a severe drought in all of the countries of the land, and only Egypt has a grain supply. Jacob, a man of God, a patriarch, Jacob is praying for the drought to be broken. Any person who lives off the land, who farms or is a herdsman or a, a, a shepherd or anything like that, they're always watching the weather because the weather sort of dictates the decisions you will make. This year, there's no shortage of beef, but because of the drought of the last couple years in the Midwest and West, beef prices are just absolutely skyrocketing right now. That's good if you own cows. But anyway, the weather and complaining about the weather seems to be a farmer's lament. <laughs> the farmer is never quite pleased with the weather. It's either too rainy, too dry, too hot, too cold, never just right. We never seem to have what we call the Goldilocks weather syndrome. But Jacob, he's a herdsman, he's a shepherd, and he's praying for rain so his sons won't have to go down to Egypt and for sure that they won't have to take Benjamin down there. But God has a purpose in this drought, and God's plan is to bring Jacob and Joseph together to be reunited. But Jacob doesn't understand that. This drought is a bad thing in the eyes of Jacob, and therefore he finds himself praying that the drought will be broken consider, Jacob is praying contrary to the will of God. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, you have prayed contrary to God's will. It's just a matter of fact. <laughs> and any of us that have uh, any type of prayer life will find ourselves praying for what we think is best. I ran into a Christian man a few years ago, and he tried to convince me God always answered prayers for healing if those who prayed just had enough faith. I simply asked the man, is God sovereign? That's all I ask him. Does God have the right to say no to our prayers. Well, he does. He is under no pressure to answer our prayers how we think he should. God is sovereign. 
And our God knows the beginning from the end, knowing what is best in all situations. Therefore, God, our loving God, is not required to answer prayers in a way that necessarily pleases us. If God answered all of our prayers in the way we felt were right, we would become God and he would become our servant. All you got to do is pray and make God your little genie in the bottle, do all that you ask of him. But God loves us too much to answer our prayers in what we think is best, but he answers our prayers in the way that is best as he sees and understands. For years, for years, Jacob, a man of God, even renamed Israel, has been sorrowful over the loss of his son, Joseph. And now God is right on the verge. He's right on the edge of restoring Jacob and Joseph back together in a relationship. But God is using the drought that Jacob is praying against to bring them together But Jacob can't see this. So let's read chapter 43. It's quite a long reading, but uh, it's a good reading. So let's read chapter 43 of Genesis. Now the famine was severe in the land, and it came to pass when they had eaten up the grain which they had brought from Egypt, that their father said to them, Go back, buy us a little food. But Judah spoke to him, saying, The man solemnly warned us, saying, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. If you send our brother with us, we will go down and buy you food. But if you will not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. And Israel said, Why did you deal so wrongfully with me as to tell the man whether you still had another brother? But they said, the man asked us pointedly about ourselves and our family, saying, Is your father still alive? Have you another brother? And we told him according to these words. Could we possibly have known that he would say, Bring your brother down? Then Judah said to Israel, his father, Send the lad with me, and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and you also our little ones. I myself will be surety for him. From your hand you shall require him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the shame or the blame forever. For if we had not lingered, surely by now we would have returned the second time. And their father Israel said to them, If it must be so, then do this. Take some of the best fruits of the land in your vessels and carry down a present for the man, a little balm, a little honey, spices and myrrh, pistachio nuts and almonds. Take double money in your hand and take it back, uh, your hand, take back in your hand the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was an oversight. Take your brother also and arise and go back to the man. And may God Almighty give you mercy before the man that he may release your other brother and Benjamin. If I am bereaved, 
I am bereaved. So the men took that present and Benjamin, and they took double money in their hand, and arose and went down to Egypt, and they stood before Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with him, he said to the steward of the house, Take these men to my house, and slaughter an animal, and make ready, for these men will dine with me at noon. Then the man did as Joseph ordered, and the man brought the men into Joseph's house. Now the men were afraid because they were brought into Joseph's house, and they said, It is because of the money which was returned in our sacks the first time that we are brought in so that he may make a case against us and seize us to take us as slaves with our donkeys. When they drew near to the steward of Joseph's house, they talked with him at the door of the house and said, Oh, sir, we indeed came down the first time to buy food, but it happened when we came to the encampment that we opened our sacks, and there each man's money was in the mouth of his sacks, our money in full weight, so we have brought it back in our hand. And we have brought down other money in our hands to buy food. We do not know who put our money in our sacks. But he said, Peace be with you. Do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has given your treasures in your sacks. I had your money. Then he brought Simeon out to them. So the man brought the men into Joseph's house and gave them water, and they washed their feet, and he gave their donkeys feed. Then they made uh, their presents ready for Joseph, coming at noon, for they heard that he would eat bread there. And when Joseph came home, they brought him the presents which they had in their hands into the house and bowed down before him to the earth. Then he asked them about their well-being, and he said, Is your father well? The old man whom you spoke, is he still alive? And they answered, Your servant, our father, is in good health. He is still alive. And they bowed their heads down and prostrated themselves. Then he lifted his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, Is this your younger brother of whom you spoke to me? And he said, God be gracious to you, my son. Now his heart yearned for his brother, so Joseph made haste and sought somewhere to weep. And he went into his chamber, and he wept there. Then he washed his face and came out, and he restrained himself and said, Serve the bread. So they set him a place by himself, and them by themselves, and the Egyptian who ate with them by themselves, because the Egyptians could not eat food with the Hebrews, for this is an abomination to the Egyptians. And they sat before him the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth, and the men looked in astonishment at one another. Then he took servings to them before him, but Benjamin's serving was five times as much as theirs, so they drank and were merry with him. Quite the story. You ever do a lengthy reading, a public? That is difficult, by the way. <laughs> but we got through it. <laughs> Jacob, his family has eaten up all the grain that the brothers went down and gathered and bought the first time up out of Egypt. And now Judah speaks to his father, Jacob. We cannot go down and buy more grain 
without Benjamin, our youngest brother, going with us. The governor, speaking of Joseph, told us plainly not to come back down without our brother Benjamin. Judah tells Jacob, I will be the guarantee. I will be the one you can blame if Benjamin does not come back before you. I will be responsible to bring Benjamin back. This is Judah. Let me give you a little reminder. Judah is the one who suggested to his other brothers, let us sell Joseph to the Ishmaelites. And that's in Genesis thirty-seven twenty-seven, and they did. It was Judah who slept with Tamar, his daughter-in-law, thinking she was a prostitute. But Judah, he's a little older now, he's a little wiser, and it appears that he has sorrow and remorse for his former sins. And I firmly believe Judah is now in the process of repenting. To repent, we sometimes get a wrong idea of what repent means. Repent means to turn and go in the opposite direction. It means to change your ways. It's not necessarily shedding a tear and feeling bad, although that can accompany repentance. But repentance means a change of directions. And Judah, who sold Joseph into slavery, is now willing to be a slave, willing to lay down his life for his younger half-brother, Benjamin. As we consider the Christmas story at this time of year, Christ the Messiah will come through the lineage of Judah. Now, understand, each generation, every person, man of God, is hated by Satan. And Satan comes against God, and he comes against God's people, and he comes against the plans of God. Satan is in opposition against all the sons of Jacob, including Judah. But repentance, Judah repents, and this thwarts, this nullifies the evil intentions that Satan has for Judah. Repentance is a good thing. One of Satan's greatest tools against believers is to keep us under condemnation. You ever felt bad about your sins? That's condemnation. Condemnation will keep you inactive against Satan's kingdom because you're self-absorbed in your own sorrow. In Romans 2.4, we read that it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Judah, by the goodness of God, now finds himself repenting And now serving God. No longer living only for himself. Not not considering his own desires as a premier thing of his life. 
Jacob, the patriarch of the family, he wants his sons to go down to Egypt to buy grain. And he says, take some gifts. Take some of the best fruit of the land with you. Take double money in your sack. And, you know, and perhaps this was an oversight and perhaps the man won't hold it against you. And take Benjamin also. And then he says, if I am bereaved, I am bereaved. Jacob has come to that point where he can no longer resist what is inevitable. A side note here. Joseph was sold into slavery for 20 pieces of silver, or literally 20 units of money. And now Joseph's brothers return, each with 20 units of money in their bags to purchase grain. Nothing escapes our Lord. He is a God of details. And he's thorough and he's complete. Uh, you can do a study just on the, the price of a slave. And uh, Judas sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver or 30 units of money. But here we have each of the sons taking down 20 units of money. And they also have uh, their gifts to take with them. It's Christmas time. We get gifts. Every year... Lori and I receive a gift from a farmer back in California where we farmed for a few years. In this package of gifts, or this, in this package is gifts. There's natural almonds in there, uncooked, raw, and they're great. There's dried apricots. There's flavored almonds in there, you know, the, the barbecue almonds and all this, the flavored almonds. They even have dark chocolate-covered almonds in this package. And this gift, we look forward to receiving it every year. They send the same thing, but that's good. That's what we want. <laughs> but gifts change our attitude towards people who perhaps we have offended. Remember Jacob? gave gifts to his brother Esau. He sent gifts before him to Esau because Jacob had definitely offended Esau. Now Jacob sends gifts down to the governor of Egypt. And as the brothers arrive in Egypt, Joseph, he wants to have a meal with them. And Joseph is uh, in disguise. He looks like an Egyptian, talks like an Egyptian. They consider him an Egyptian. So Joseph and his brothers, including Benjamin, they all gather at Joseph's house for a meal. A little history here. Egyptians at that time in their culture never, ever, did I say never? Never, ever ate with anyone but a fellow Egyptian. Egyptians considered themselves descendants of the gods, and they would not dare eat with a foreigner, and that included the Hebrews. Now Joseph, he is governor of Egypt, and he is required because of his position to keep this practice in place. 
Joseph welcomes his brothers to his home, but he separates from them to eat. And he also separates from the Egyptians to eat. But Joseph, he has questions for his uh, brothers about their father. And he asks, he asks them pointedly, is the old man that you spoke about, is he well? And they reply, your servant, our father, is in good health. This had to gladden the heart of Joseph. He's happy to hear dad's okay. Joseph sees his youngest brother, Benjamin, and he pronounces a blessing upon Benjamin. Verse 29, God be gracious to you, my son. A good blessing. But this meal, this gathering of the brothers and Joseph, well, it overcomes Joseph. It's too emotional for him. Therefore, he looks for a place to be alone to weep. Joseph is now a man of compassion. The years of hardship and difficulties, even being exalted to the position of governor of Egypt, has made Joseph into a man of compassion. And Joseph feels that he must test his brothers further. And during this test, during this reunion, he's overcome with emotions and he's got to find a place to get alone and weep. And Joseph has seen his full brother Benjamin there in his house, in his house, eating a meal with him and his brothers. And this causes Joseph to weep. Now for 13 years, Joseph was a slave to Potiphar. He was in prison and God was building character into Joseph. And now we see it coming to the top. But Joseph, he gathers himself and he washes up and his brothers, uh, he seats his brothers at a table or where, however they ate. I don't know if it was a table, but he seats them in order of their birthright from the oldest to the youngest. That's 11 people, 11 people in order. Uh, the the odds are ridiculous that he would be able to do this. It's something like 40 million to one that he could do this. And it amazes his brothers. Benjamin is also given five times the serving of his brothers. And this extra serving is a test. Joseph is wanting to see how the brothers will react to Benjamin being favored like Jacob favored him before his brother, you know, made him the coat of many colors. He is wanting to see if his brothers will resent Benjamin being favored. And he's watching their reaction. Do his brothers have animosity towards Benjamin. And Joseph is pleased that there's no harsh feelings. There's no jealousy there towards Benjamin. And it's quite the story. And we can look upon it as simply that a story if we're not careful. But the lessons here are great. 
In closing, let me draw your attention to the repentance of Judah. Judah, he has sinned grievously against Joseph, having him sold into slavery. He sinned grievously against Jacob, his father, by not telling Jacob the truth about Joseph. And he has sinned, as we all do, against God, which all sin is against. Judah has allowed Jacob, his father, to believe that Joseph was killed by a wild beast. They've allowed their father to grieve and be uh, mournful into sorrow for 13 years. They're probably very afraid to tell their father the truth. Remember how they dipped Joseph's coat of many colors into blood, then showed it to their dad, knowing that their dad would come to the conclusion that some wild beast had killed Joseph? Well, that was, that was one sin, one great sin of, of Judah. But Judah, he gets married. His sons marry a girl named Tamar. Her husband dies. He sends in one of his sons to raise up heirs. He dies. And Judah is now afraid to send his other son in to Tamar. He will not do what is culturally right there to raise up an heir for Tamar. Judah, he's found, he's found out that Tamar is pregnant by harlotry. Judas, he pronounces a sentence upon Tamar and he says, burn her at the stake. But it's Judah that she's pregnant by. And Tamar produces the, the personal items of Judah and then we hear Judah kind of tell a different story and it's interesting to hear what Judah has to say now listen to his comments about Tamar in 38:26. she has been more righteous than I because I did not give Sheila my son to her Judah is learning that repentance is good for Judah, he can only repent as he, he declares, Tamar is more righteous than me, and I'm the one who said, burn her. Judah, like you and I, is allowed to see how offensive our sins can be before God. We all are simply sinners saved by grace. Judah has been sinful to Tamar. The Apostle Paul, late in his ministry, not early, late in his ministry, said, I am chief among sinners. Wait a minute, Paul. 
we know you sinned earlier by persecuting the church and doing all this. How can you say that you are now chief among sinners? Present tense, when you look at that verse, it's present tense. Not Paul is not speaking about when he persecuted the church. Paul realized who God was and who he was. Therefore, he says, I am chief among sinners. Have you come to that point where you realize that your sin is grievous before God and that you want to turn away from it regardless? Judah has been forced to see how sinful he was to Joseph, to Jacob, before God. But Judah, he found repentance. And now Judah wants to do what is right. Judah is now willing to put his life on the line for his younger brother, Benjamin. Judah has told his father, I will be surety for Benjamin. If I do not bring the boy back, let me bear the blame forever. You can put it on me, Dad. And how different is that attitude with Judah towards Benjamin for Judah is the same one who said, let us sell Joseph into slavery and make a little money. Judah is a changed man. Judah has repented. Repentance will now allow God to bless Judah beyond all his expectations. Beyond what Judah even is able to comprehend. Repentance, it not only takes away and removes our burden of guilt, but it puts us in right standing with God. Christ, the Messiah, will come through the lineage of Judah, the Savior of the world, born in Bethlehem, in the line of Judah, and it's all because Judah repented. None of this would have came about if Judah would have continued in his sins. We have that same opportunity to turn away from sin. I highly recommend repentance. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand with closing prayer. Father God, I thank you that it's by your goodness you lead us to repentance. Lord, when we see the error of our ways, we no longer have to continue in them. You give us the right to approach you for forgiveness, to repent, and you grant it. And you set us on our feet and you point us in the opposite way. Thank you for that, Lord. We don't have to bear the burden of guilt, for we have repentance. We have a right standing with you, Lord, because you shed your blood for us to have that right standing. Thank you for repentance, Lord. And may we be quick to repent, Lord. We don't want any sin, anything to separate you from us. So we rejoice in repentance and we want to take full advantage of repentance. So we thank you. 
We ask you to be gracious and forgiving to us, Lord. And we know that you will. For that's where you want us to be. In the middle of repentance. So as we enjoy this Christmas season, Lord. May we fully understand that you came and took on the form of man. Went to the cross that our sins may be forgiven. And indeed, you are our Savior, and we thank you for it. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.